previously in impeachment. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. All persons are commanded to keep silent on pain of imprisonment. While the House of Representatives is exhibiting to the Senate of the United States articles of impeachment against Donald John Trump, President of the United States. The trial of President Donald J. Trump finally got underway. And I was trying to read Mitch McConnell's expression, and, you know, as usual, there's no expression, but I, I just, he doesn't like the House, you know, and how disgusted he must have been <laughs> with having a House manager up there in his Senate telling him how he's supposed to conduct business. The one question senators couldn't resolve was whether they would call even a single witness. And I think that what the Democrats are trying to do is say, this is what witnesses would say, and you're choosing not to hear them. I can't construct an argument for why you would not, in a thing that is styled as a trial, want to hear from witnesses. Okay, so we're five days into the impeachment trial of President Trump. There's a, a little break today, Sunday, where, when we're recording this conversation. I'm here with Dahlia Lithwick, who is our lead courts and legal reporter. Jeremy Stahl, our senior editor here at Slate. Hi, guys. Hey, Mary. Hi, Mary. Hi, Dahlia. Okay, so Dahlia, before, before you got here, I was talking to Jeremy, and he was saying, oh, well, I just watched the last two hours of, you know, Donald Trump's lawyers making their arguments I mean, how are you guys feeling after this much impeachment trial? I mean, the senators themselves in the room weren't able to sit still. There was all this reporting about them getting up to stretch and then just sort of disappearing to the cloakroom for a nice tall glass of milk or something else, going on Fox News. I mean, <laughs> how do you keep up your endurance? I have to say, like, it, it really irks the crap out of me that the meme of this is boring has become like the thing that swamps everything else. Because first and foremost, not boring, kind of super important. Second, I actually think like Zoe Lofgren and Hakeem Jeffries and the team of Val Deming, I actually think they've done a (laughs) yeoman's job, uh, not to mention Adam Schiff, of making this interesting and accessible. And I I sort of worry that, like, contributing to the whole yawn, shrug, nothing to see here, you know, the, the I feel like there's a sort of collusion with the Fox News narrative that yawn, shrug, nothing to see here. And so I'm really reluctant to say it's boring. It's boring if either you know every single part of this because you watch the House impeachment proceedings, which, by the way, none of the people in the Senate who are complaining that this is boring, did that. Um, Or it's boring because you want it to be boring because then you can say that nothing has happened. But the biggest kind of pet peeve I have is it's partly super boring because they won't allow any new evidence or witnesses to come in that would make it interesting. To understand what's happening in the Senate, Dolly and Jeremy focus in on these two moments from the hours of presentations last week. These are moments that show how differently the Democrats and the Republicans are treating this process, how the meaning of the word fair can shapeshift based on which political party is using it. One of these moments, it happened late into the night on the very first day of the trial. It was after one in the morning. So what happened was uh, one of the House managers, the chair of the Judiciary Committee, Jerry Nadler, was presenting and he was trying to argue that a trial should have witnesses. 
um, a trial should have evidence and documents that have been kept from the public. And he was saying that a vote to prevent that from happening would make the senators who voted for that complicit in that cover up. Will you permit us to present you with the entire record of the president's misconduct? Or will you instead choose to be complicit in the president's cover up? So far, I'm sad to say, I see a lot of senators voting for a cover up. Which, to be fair, to call the jury and the, the judges that are about to make that decision potentially treacherous and potentially voting against the United States was probably, at the very least, just a tactical mistake. And they got called out on it by uh, multiple Republican senators, including potentially, but who knows, swing senators such as Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins. And then the chief justice very clearly admonished, he used the word admonished, admonished both sides for engaging in uncivil conduct. But it was clearly very targeted at um Nadler for having made this comment. And it's sort of been one of multiple nitpicks that um, Republican senators have decided to focus on over the past couple of days, rather than what was actually a very compelling and powerful and well-presented narrative that even the ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Lindsey Graham, who is one of the president's fiercest defenders, acknowledged himself was actually very well done. It sounds like you're saying that what happened during that first day with the chief justice speaking out, it, it kind of reveals a fundamental flaw in the process that's happening right now. And I wonder if you'd agree with that, Dahlia. I, I, I think that the both-siderism that you're flagging is really important here. And it wasn't just, by the way, Nadler talking about Republican senators colluding to obstruct. That was, you know, for Jeremy's, the reasons that Jeremy lays out, that's a, it was a problematic phrasing. But really, that's like worse than, you know, senators like leaving the chamber for hours on end or reading a book. And then, you know, losing their minds because Adam Schiff, you know, repeats this CBS reporting that, you know, some Trump confidant said that Republicans who voted against him, you know, their heads would be on a pike. This is that second moment Dolly and Jeremy want you to focus on. When Adam Schiff was wrapping up the Democrats' arguments last week, he quoted a news story. CBS News reported last night that a Trump confidant said that GOP senators were warned, vote against your president, vote against the president, and your head will be on a pike. Now, I don't know if that's true. As he does this, you can hear a little murmur run through the room, just off mic. I have to say, when I read that, and again, I don't know if that's true, but when I read that, I was struck by the irony, by the irony. I hope it's not true. I hope it's not true. Afterwards, a couple of key Republicans said Schiff's words made them angry. One senator, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, she said this head on a pike part, it's where Adam Schiff lost me. I just think that the umbrage and outrage that is directed at 
very, very benign things on one side. And then on the other and then used to say, well, you know, we were going to vote for witnesses. But after Nadler said his stuff, you know, now my feelings are hurt. And I know Jeremy wrote this too. My feelings are hurt when they said the head on the pike thing. So now I guess I just don't want to hear fact witnesses as those those two things are connected. And so I just think it goes to your process point, Mary, you know, that like hurt feelings are being redirected to make process decisions. I, 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 I just want to reemphasize very quickly just the, the point about asymmetry, because that is the exact word that I also had in my head in looking at all of this. And uh, uh, maybe helpful and maybe unhelpful sports metaphor that I keep running in my head is the the soccer player who has like the foot that is just stuck out slightly in front of him. And then they dive to the ground and start rolling and rolling and rolling, grabbing, ow, my ankle, ow, my ankle. And that being the essence of what, you know, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski are essentially doing when they make these complaints. Whereas you have on the other side, people diving in headfirst with their spikes, just literally trying to do as much damage as possible. For instance, today you have the president of the United States tweeting, Shifty Adam Shift is a corrupt politician and probably a very sick man. He has not paid the price yet for what he has done to our country. And this is in line with previous tweets where he has suggested that um, Schiff has committed treason and said, question mark, arrest for treason. And, you know, this is all just to say that uh, the asymmetry of what what is expected from one side versus what is expected from another is one of the most infuriating and galling things to witness from the sidelines. And to me, the sort of cherry on top, the final thing to happen this week was the release of this video, this Lev Parnas video. And in it, it's a donor dinner that happened at Trump's own hotel where there are a few select people in the room, people who had paid a lot of money to be there, including Parnas and Fruman, these two guys who are under indictment. And in it, I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. It's interesting because it explicitly links the president to some of the things that have happened in Ukraine, especially the recall of Ambassador Yovanovitch. But... Also, it's interesting to me just the setting this is taking place in. This is a small dinner with a bunch of people who have paid for access. You know, this is a really interesting example of how Washington works and are recording the whole time. So you can hear how people with a lot of money have a lot of influence and how the president responds immediately when they raise their concerns. I wonder when you guys got access to this audio and video, what you sort of thought of it. So. Yeah, I, I haven't watched it the, the entire hour, but I've watched the, the and listened to the relevant ports. And I think the other big takeaway, Barry, that you didn't even get a chance to, to note in all this is that this is also direct evidence of the president lying about his own relationship with these individuals who were under indictment. Because in, he's just last week um, when he was asked about Mr. Parnas, he said, I don't believe I've ever spoken with him. I don't know him. I don't believe I've ever spoken to him. I don't believe I've ever spoken to him. I've never had a conversation that I remember with him. He's a man I've never met before other than taking a picture or something. So that's just flat untrue. This video proves otherwise. This video shows Lev Parnas speaking directly to the president bad-mouthing and smearing this ambassador and the president uh, responding 
directly and clearly in turn that that she needed to be taken out and that she needed to be gotten rid of. And the decision seems kind of whimsical. Like Parnas says, hey, you know, I want to start some business in Ukraine. This woman is getting in my way. And by the way, she's walking around talking about how you're just going to be impeached anyway. Were the ambassador of Ukraine? Yeah. And she's basically walking around telling everybody, wait, he's going to get impeached. Uh, just wait. I mean, really? uh, <laughs> it's incredible. And it's like instantly the president says, take her out. Get rid of her. Get rid of her. Get her out tomorrow. Okay. Get her out tomorrow. Take her out. Okay. Do it. It's tough to watch just how easily that comes to him. And this is all happening as the Senate is trying to decide, theoretically, whether they're going to call witnesses, people like Lev Parnas, to testify. I mean, Dahlia, (laughs) I feel like we're a little bit Charlie Brown with a football here, like waiting for someone to find the evidence that's going to make them take an action. But do you think this creates any more pressure on anyone who matters in Washington? Uh, Not really. I mean, I think the more evidence that comes out, the more it becomes clear that no evidence can come out. And I think that, you know, that's kind of the paradox of of this moment, that the more damning the videos are and the more damning the Rudy Giuliani letter. I mean, everything that Lev Parnas has produced in the last two weeks is just devastating and goes to the core arguments, right, that Trump, like Jeremy said, Trump didn't even know the guy and Trump had no interest in, you know, all of it is clearly flatly untrue. This is money coming from, you know, Ukraine coming through Parnas and Fruman to tamper with, uh, you know, American sort of autonomy and uh, American foreign policy. This is awful. And instead we get this audio. It's just like pigs at a trough, right? They're all just like, oh, I've got the president's ear because I ponied up a crap ton of money. And now I'm going to just ask for whatever stuff I want. And he's going to just, I guess, give it to me. And the, I mean, the New York Times even flagged like midway into the piece. By the way, one of the people there was Canadian. Canadian. And the FEC is investigating because you're not supposed to be able to do that, have foreign interference in an election. And so, but that's not even the headline. No, I mean, it's 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 so, again, you know, the idea that it is, this is just a pay-to-play presidency and <laughs> Whether it's done through money to the inaugural committee or how Gordon Sondland buys his ambassadorship. I mean, this is so in the bone now that you almost don't flinch anymore. Of course, they filled a room of people and, you know, had nice red roses and Jack Nicholas's grandson. And they all just asked for what they wanted, regardless of whether there was, you know, merit to what they were claiming or whether it was in America's interest to do it. And, you know, I guess it's it's worth at least saying, you know, as Jeremy says, our ears just allied uh, the way Trump talks. But he's not just saying, let's fire her. He's saying, let's take her out. Do it now. You know, and I think for me, Mary, I keep thinking of it. It circles back to what we were saying about Collins and Murkowski. It's the sort of constitutionalization of hurt feelings, right? Like, is, is that how we do foreign policy now? Is that how we treat the Foreign Service? Some guy with, like, a bunch of money in his pockets, like Scrooge McDuck, comes in, you know, and dumps the money on the table, and then he gets to dictate who Trump is firing based entirely on his ability to say to Trump, here, I bet this hurts your ego. Like, it's so stunning. And, and- I think the other key point specifically in this episode is that uh, she was removed a year later. And what was happening a year later um, in the case that and the narrative that the House managers clearly presented was 
Rudy Giuliani, on behalf of the president, uh, as he says, as his personal attorney, was attempting to uh, force and invoke the Ukrainian authorities to investigate Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden, at, at the same time as he was beginning to run for, for president against uh, Donald Trump and looking very strong in a number of polls against Donald Trump. And that is when the action was taken. We'll be back with more What Next after the break. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. So, Jeremy, I know you just rewatched the arguments that the president's lawyers made in the Senate. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what they're saying and what you expect in the next couple of days. They just spoke for a couple of hours on Saturday, and they sort of promised more fireworks on Monday. So what are they arguing here? I know you said they're kind of working along the sides and just sort of making argument like little process arguments rather than going after the meat of things. Do you expect that to continue on Monday? On Monday, I think they said that they would focus more on Joe Biden and uh, Hunter Biden and actually attempt to, you know, use the president's own trial to do what he was trying to do as part of this scheme, which is tarnish a political rival. And the two-hour intro was much less about that and much more about this notion that Adam Schiff and the House managers had presented an incomplete case and an unfair case to the president because they had left out, again, the, you know, the things like President Zelensky's public denials that uh, he felt any pressure, even though the evidence of what was going on behind the scenes is very, very, very clear and very comprehensive. I mean, isn't the point of this entire investigation that Zelensky was going to do the freaking CNN, you know, announcement that he was investigating Burisma? We know that's the point is that he would do whatever he had to do to get this money and get this aid and get this White House visits. But I think the one other thing that I would just say in terms of the defense, is that the defense is the same 
sort of limitless view of Donald Trump's power and authority. He cannot be guilty of the lesser thing because he has the power to do the greater thing, right? He has he can't be guilty of obstruction because he has the authority to have nobody in his administration ever cooperate with anyone. He can't be guilty of uh, firing or withdrawing uh, Marie Ivanovich because he has the authority to do the greater thing, which is, you know, demand anyone be fired at will. All of these things that he's been tagged for, all of them, uh, including the sort of alleged bribery and including the quid pro quo, he can't be tagged for any of that because he is immune from everything. Hmm. So let's talk about the schedule a little bit. We'll come back today with more from the president's lawyers. And we could have this trial shutting down by the end of this week. Is that right, Dahlia? Yeah. I mean, I think that the next chunk of this is going to be sort of, first of all, we have questions uh, from both sides. This is where they pass the where notes they up pass to the chief justice. The, John Roberts, do you think I'm cute? Uh, <laughs> Checkbox. Meet me after seventh period in the milk line. Um, so that's going to happen. And John Roberts will read the questions. And then we're going to have some skirmishing uh, uh, about process. But the reporting now is that McConnell wants to just speed through it. Yeah. Right? Just just go. And I, I'm not sure they're going to take all of their uh, 24 hours even to do uh, the opening on on uh, the part of, of Donald Trump's defense team. Look, they've got they've got State of the Union coming on February 4th. And I think they don't want the president to be standing there having been impeached in the House and still unresolved in the Senate. So there's sort of a hard out for them there. But I think that the moment, the sort of signal moment is going to be this vote on the off ramp. Is there going to be witnesses and evidence? If there are witnesses and evidence, we could be looking at weeks because then we're looking at, you know, depositions that are going to happen maybe on video. It could be weeks and weeks and weeks. And there's no no intermediate setting. There's either end it Friday or something that could take a very long time. And I think really the only question for people who want to kind of tune into one thing and one thing only is if it's true that 70% of Americans, 71% of Americans really believe this can't be over without, as Jeremy says, at least the, 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 trappings of the patina of a trial <laughs> of a trial then the question is if they have the votes to do that if they don't get four people to jump look there's some question about whether they're going to go to John Roberts and ask him to do a you know sidebar to get witnesses and I don't think that that's going to happen uh, I think that there is some chatter about reopening this case in the House because if John Bolton has made plain that he would like to testify, then I think he should be invited to do so. Uh, but no, I mean, I think at the end of the day, this will rise and fall on four Republican senators. Jeremy, given what you've seen of the chief justice, if the Democrats did go to him and sort of beg for some kind of intervention, what do you expect he'd even do? Uh, I would assume that he would defer to the rules of, you know, John Roberts' whole thing says balls and strikes, balls and strikes. And it's very easy at this point to just say, you know, the Senate passed by majority vote rules and we're going to follow those rules. And that's that's how this trial is going to go. And that's a fair trial. A fair trial is one where the rules were voted on by a majority and that's what we got. And the end. But even in such a hypothetical scenario where we got witnesses and where those witnesses issued 
individual assertions of executive privilege to prevent their testimony from coming out. And it was then put to the chief justice to rule. There is a little out for him where he can just defer to a majority vote of the Senate. And at that point, the majority could just vote, yeah, this is probably executive privilege. We're not sure. So I, I think there are just too many subsequent flaming hoops for people to jump for enough Republicans to feel it is necessary and worth jumping through this first big flaming hoop of allowing witnesses and evidence. Dahlia Lithwick, Jeremy Stahl, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Mary. Dahlia Lithwick covers the courts in Washington for Slate. Jeremy Stahl is a senior editor here. After we recorded this conversation, one more potential witness made news. The New York Times reported that John Bolton sent the White House a copy of his latest book. And in that book... He claims the president told him that aid to Ukraine was being held up in exchange for investigations into the Bidens. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Mara Silvers, and this weekend especially by Jason DeLeon and Daniel Hewitt. I'm Mary Harris. I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 